Welcome into episode 203 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. And this episode is brought to you by Solid Drums. If you remember last week, if you checked in, we reviewed and demoed two gorgeous stave shell snare drums by Solid Drums. So a little bit of background. Solid Drums is a Switzerland-based company owned, operated by Christoph. He makes all the drums himself. He has his own hardware design. All of the wood the wood that he uses in his drums is locally sourced, so he actually includes the GPS coordinates of where the tree was that was harvested, which is a really nice personal touch. Again, all handmade. Um, he is the only guy to shop. It's very personal to him, So, uh, and I'm, we're happy to have him support the show, of course. So please head over to solid-drums.ch slash en. Check out his catalog. He's got a wide range of things that are available to order now, but you can also do some custom orders as well. He can do kits. He specializes in snare drums. He can do kits as well. Some of the finest drums I've, I've ever got my hands on, and, and that's as far as design and sound and everything. So he says two of his best sellers are the Two-Tone Cherry Beach. So that's available on his site, and also the 12-inch snare, which is the one that we demoed last week. There's, you know, it's a great, great company. So go ahead, again, go to soliddrums.ch slash en. Check out what they had they offer. And then we're going to get to our intro beat here. This is uh, by Michael Rafter. He's playing a piece uh, DNA series drums. He's got a Ludwig uh, black acrylite snare drum with some Aquarian heads. He's using UFIP uh, natural series cymbals. Microphone-wise, he's got an AKG D12 uh, 4 inches outside the resident head, and he has an Audio-Technica AT2020 overhead, and he's recording everything in Ableton Live. So this is Michael Rafter. Begin. <laughs> Man, do you know we have put a lot of work into this podcast? Well, let's let's bring that back a little bit. We have put a decent amount of work into this podcast. I wasn't ready for protein shake to blow up the way it did. I <laughs> know <laughs> <laughs> that came. Out, that just wouldn't stop. Uh, how are you doing, buddy? I am well. I am doing pretty good. I had a long day yesterday. I got so check this out. You, you've probably seen. Our buddy Carter hanging out with Vinny, and everyone is checking out the Herbie Hancock show. Well, I was doing Carter's job while he was having fun. Oh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Now, covering Carter's job when you know he's out with Charlie or something—that's one thing. Covering his job when you know that he's out just frolicking at John Mayer's (laughs) show, and then over to to the Herbie show with Vinny. Okay, it was like every you saw drummer the, the was picture in that Carter posted, right? With Vinny, of him and Vinny, yeah, yeah. Vinny looked good. Well, he cut his hair. I think that's a big thing. Just get a, it get is. a haircut, and it helps. I'm kind of. I should be doing the same thing myself. <laughs> <laughs> you you have a little bit of a Jesus vibe going on, but it's, yeah. it works for you. It works for you. Uh, no, I I, uh, I I thought I I just thought Vinny looked good. I don't know how to say that other than. 
Yeah, I mean, I wasn't like hot for the man, but yeah, it was. But I mean, it's like every drummer was there because I saw. I mean, Justin Brown was playing with with um, Thundercat. That was the opener, so his all of okay. his people were there. I think yeah. Bruner was in town. I mean, it was like wow, every drummer in, is in town tonight. <laughs> and so were you. You were just yeah. which normally you're playing the Lion King. No, that is awesome. like the coolest I'm, gig I'm on the planet. Around. He can go to every show he wants, and I'll be happy to fill in at any time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's awesome! So, how where are you with that gig? Is it does it still feel like you're covering, or does it feel like when you're there, there's no insane nerves? Everything's good. At this point, it's it's pretty mellow, but you know, it's still it's still edgy because it's still you know you never Live. know things can happen. Like this was sure. pretty funny last night. I got through a couple of the harder songs, and I kind of was like, "Yeah, that was that might have been the best I'd done." And then I almost missed the cue for a bass drum roll. I was like, "Jeez, you peach! You just want to smack yourself in the face? Like, what are you doing, you cocky?" <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of losing your train of thought, yesterday in our uh, in our camp, we did the Todd Suckerman exercise where everyone went out on the kit. I put on the click. They they got one bar of click. And then they had 16 bars of click, and then there was a massive explosion sound uh, through Pro Tools. Oh, so nice. if they didn't, if they didn't stop on the one, that thing would—it was like <laughs> double whammy. You fall through, and you go straight into the water tank. So it was. So we did it as get on up there. You get one bar of click, and then 16 bars of click, and then an explosion. You have to hit the crash on the explosion, mm-hmm. and they just did a groove. And then after that. Now everyone go back up and you have to improvise. Let's see if you can keep your train of thought while yeah. you're improvising. So important. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago or in my Yeah, I was telling you. So I so what it was was Todd Suckerman did that at a clinic. Oh right. Or at a master you didn't, class. You didn't reveal at who Salt it City was. Drums. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I well I mean if maybe I pronounced his name wrong, so maybe it's not the person you think it is. <laughs> Maybe Todd Suckerman, the clinician, is doing it. Suckerman. So, no, that's well. That's what I said. Uh, the, do you not know that story? Like the first time I met him, I said that. Oh, it's sook like book, right? Did he freak out? Yeah, on yeah that's it. Yeah. yeah, sook, sook like book. Um, <laughs> like, hey, <laughs> got it, man. But he's the man, so I, I, I was happy to you know that, take the verbal slapping. That reminds me, I, a couple, probably a couple months ago, my pick of the week was that knockbox uh, metronome yes. app. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say. That has been so important for confidence building for me. Just practice. What I do every day is I do my normal, like, hyper-detailed time practice with 16th notes, and then I play through repertoire that I know, like snare drum pieces. And using that knockbox thing where it you know, gives you quarter notes for two bars, half notes for two bars, whole notes for two bars, and then two measures, one every two measures for two bars. And now that I know that I can just turn that thing on and I don't lose my place, like, it yeah. just, it's like I'm just on this autopilot mode. Confidence has been through the roof at this point. Really? Like, I don't That's question cool, my internal pulse really at all anymore. So, if anyone is really, it's, I think that's like finishing school for time development. Like, you do the hyper detailed yeah. stuff and you mess with the offbeat click and stuff. But when you think you really got it, can you play what you already know with a metronome that just randomly puts longer gaps and stuff in it? So, you're not really listening to it anymore. It's just kind of like in the background. Yeah, that's been huge, so huge. Especially like I guess, filling in for Carter when I'm playing with world class players, and I'm like, all right, is right. my time good or not? And it's just been yeah. a huge confidence help. That's awesome. I think the other device that we have here that seems to be very similar, but in a different way, is the Yamaha. I think they just call it maybe the the time gate or the rhythm gate. Where oh, yeah. Yeah. if you if you don't play on the grid, the pads don't work. Mm-hmm. 
And the reason why I like it so much, it's a game. It, when, when you're at camp, it's a game. And we all laugh at each other, and it's funny. Mm-hmm. But if you're actually using it, the one thing I love about it is, and if you don't know what it is, you get a metronome that's in quarter notes, but it's locked to a 16th note grid. And anything that you play, rushing or dragging, the pads just don't trigger. They won't work. So we do a measure of groove, measure of fill. Measure of groove, measure of fill. Mm. The fill obviously has to be based in a 16th note grid. Uh, But what I love about it is a lot of times their groove is just fine. And then the fill, the entire kit is silent for a whole measure of fill. Mm -hmm. And it teaches them, okay, so you're rushing your fills meaning you've always been rushing your fills. But since this thing is turning off, at least you know exactly what happens. Or maybe it's that one, two, a three. And that a uh didn't come in because mm. you rushed it or you dragged it. And it's like, oh, okay, I know the exact note that I'm rushing instead of whether I'm rushing or dragging but how do you because get, the pad doesn't work. So something like that, how do you know if you're rushing or dragging? Like that's, So there's actually a meter for, on oh, it. you see it on the screen. Yeah, you can visually see it. Uh, okay. So And then there's different levels of allowance there's i think easy medium and pro Mm -hmm. that's getting you closer and closer to the quantized grid Uh, so it's pretty cool i think uh, since you and i've been doing this podcast obviously time has been a big topic and it's something that you were working on when we started this i was hesitant to i think we all think we're working on our time but concentrated effort on your time is a totally different thing it means that you've decided you're not getting any faster today not getting any more coordinated (laughs) yeah you're not getting any more dynamic. <laughs> You're just working on your time, and it's just uh, a lot of us ignore it. But since it's been such a big topic, the one thing that always comes it comes back to is work on your time. Whatever gimmick you need, I don't care what it is. Yeah. Work on your time. Uh, if, if your gimmick is, honestly, I just work to a quarter note click, that's more than enough if you could just do it for 45 minutes. It's the focus side of it. Like you can yes. play to a click and you could be swimming around it and you're not developing anything. You're actually probably getting worse because you're, you're letting the click do the time totally. for you. I think even playing to a rock solid track, uh, you know, beat it by Michael Jackson, that, at least you hear the second that your hi-hat is off, you hear it. You flam yeah. with the hi-hat. So I think that those things are really good. But concentrating on your time, that's where the gimmicks, the apps, the beatniks, the Yamaha rhythm gate, the knockbox, that all comes in where it's like, honestly, I can't do it for 45 minutes. I, I lose my train of thought. I start thinking about other things I should be doing today. Mm. But with those things, it keeps me on track. And it gives you a sense of accomplishment. We all know, or if you've done it, you know how hard it was to move that click to the E in your mind. And when you finally did it and realized you were doing it right, that's a great sense of accomplishment. Like, sweet. And I don't want to do it again because then it'll prove that it was a fluke. But (laughs) cool. Let's walk away from the drum set now. That's the thing. Exactly. You have to, right? Yeah, it's got to normalize it. So I almost never practice with a quarter note on the downbeat anymore. It's always some sort of subdivision because I just want to normalize it. I don't yeah. want it to be I don't want it to be stressful where I'm constantly thinking e and e and e and e and like I just right. want to yeah. it just it's there. It's <laughs> on lock. I can just roll with it. <laughs> can you imagine Dave Desenzo working on that? E and e and e and I would love to be there for that. Like that, that dude has the best count in ever. I like that my 16 notes were triplets. That's that's how solid my ah, well, don't don't you worry about it. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about some events coming up. What do you have coming up, buddy? Oh, the uh, the London Clinic details are official. So um, if you go to the Bundera Podcast Facebook page, there's a link where you can you can order your tickets. They're ten whatever the unit of currency is in London. <laughs> 
Love it. Love it. <laughs> what is uh, it? A pound? Yeah. A euro? I don't know what the heck it is. Yes. It's ten it's things. You give us just, ten You know things. what? Go old school. Just call it quid. Ten quid. <laughs> sure. It's ten. It's, it costs ten. So. <laughs> it costs ten of yours. <laughs> anyway, oh so God. it's going to be September 24th. Uh, we've got the room from 6.30 to 10.30 p.m. It's going to be a lot of just hanging, playing, discussion, question and answer. I'm trying to get some other drummers out to maybe do some stuff. There's going to be a drum machine that I've never played with. I'm going to try to do some live looping with it on stage. Cool. Sponsored by Arturia Electronics Company. So they're coming out with an eight uh, an eight channel interface. So I'm, that's why I'm actually going over there is to demo that on Monday. And then Tuesday, they they set up this clinic for me. So that's that's so cool. Man. September twenty fourth is also sponsored by obviously Modern Drummer and Drum Tax. Um, so yeah, September twenty fourth, it's at the gallery in Tal Yard Studios. That's in Kings Cross. I have no idea where that is. It's somewhere in in the UK. It's, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Kings Cross uh, Kings Cross Station. That's like where all the Harry Potter. Oh, yeah? stuff happens yeah yeah it's it's great you'll love it man sweet very so, cool hopefully you're the, right uh, in the heart of the good stuff buddy so yeah so if you're in the area it would be great for you to come out and hang it's going to be hopefully a, a pretty nice chill evening i'm not going to do anything crazy it's not like uh it's not your typical drum clinic it's more of a hang and informal and i'll just play and show some stuff that i i practice so that's september 24th 6 30 to 10 30 at the gallery, Tallyard Studios. Again, the Eventbrite link is on the Modern Drummer Facebook, Modern Drummer Podcast Facebook page. It'll also be on Modern Drummer's Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. So please RSVP, and we'll see you there. Where are you going? Awesome, man. Well, uh, we've talked about the Ireland stuff, but I totally forgot to mention this one, and this is amazing because it's my very first clinic with my former teacher, Will Kennedy. So I will be in Huntsville, Alabama on August 10th, and we're doing like a deep master class. It's between myself, Will Kennedy. I'm not supposed to say myself. I'm supposed to say Will Kennedy, <laughs> J.D. Blair, Daryl Tibbs, and I will be doing this thing together 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. So it's a long, wow. deep master class. That's a week uh, from, from now right Next yes week. one week from today so i'll be going there and uh yeah fly out at like you know go to the airport at four in the morning i go there so i'll be in huntsville alabama hope to see you guys there it'll be at the musical expression room at pope school of percussion so just look up pope school of percussion on facebook and that way you can get all the information you need you do you definitely need to register for this this is a limited space thing uh, because it is a it's not a clinic open to the public this is a paid master class but man i just to be in the same room with will kennedy he's taught me for years uh but just through our phones and through video yeah that's wild i, I mean i'm i'm yeah and i've and i've never played a single note with the man so <laughs> and then also i've never even met jd blair i'm super excited about that yeah right uh, so I mean, it should be really cool so that'll be um once again august 10th uh, at Pope's School of Percussion. Then I go from there straight to Ireland, do the 21 Drums Camp. And then there will be a clinic at the Button Factory at the end of that camp. So you can just go to 21drums.com, I believe, or you can check out Music Maker's website uh, for that. And then I'm going from there over to uh, Northern Ireland to do a clinic in Belfast. I'll give you guys more details on that in next week's podcast. But for now, let's get into the goods. 
Or the snare drum giveaway. <laughs> yeah, that's the goods, man. So we have and people calling me week. out for having the wrong snare drum. Calling you had you the out. wrong snare drum. <laughs> I did it right. Don't encourage them on social media. That's not fair. I sound like a, I sound like a whiny not little child. Fair, yeah. You, not fair. You don't have an older brother, do you? <laughs> no. And, I do now. I'm Mike Dawson. But I also feel that I just should correct. When I said that's where all the Harry Potter stuff took place, I didn't mean that Harry Potter is actual history and that it actually happened. I just want to be clear. I know that Lord of the Rings was a movie and it's not actual history. And I know that magic is not real. Let's just move on. I let that kind of float on by because I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) Anyway, for any of you adults out there listening. (laughs) Oh, here we go. Here we go. Okay. All right. We do have one more week for you to enter the uh, 200th episode celebratory snare drum giveaway. We are giving away the last remaining Modern Drummer 4th anniversary 3-ply. It is... Inside ply of mahogany, center ply of poplar, outer ply of walnut. It's gorgeous. It is my uh, my favorite sound for a vintage drum that doesn't play like a vintage drum. It plays like a modern drum. It sounds like a vintage drum. So anyway, how do they enter again? They they can tag us uh, tag Modern Drummer Podcast on Instagram. Put up a picture of your screen screenshot. Do a video screenshot if you guys don't know how to do that and you have an iPhone or any kind of phone. Just look it up on online and you will find out how to video cast your screen and then you can save that file. And if you share with us one of your favorite clips, uh, that, that's bonus stuff right there. Or if you play something from the podcast that we suggested, all you got to do is tag at Modern Drummer Podcast on Instagram and that is how we will see everything. Or they can email. Uh, yep. Just send an email. 202 episodes, and you don't remember the address? <laughs> MDinfo at moderndrummer.com. Oh, God. That was. <laughs> it's probably on us for having a silly email address. It can't just be <sighs> info tough. at moderndrummer.com. It's got to be MDinfo. MDinfo at moderndrummer.com. Yeah, so either it, way, it's hashtag let us not, not at because we, we don't have a page for right. the podcast. Hashtag, tag, hashtag, modern drummer podcast. Is there a difference? All right. Yeah? Is there a difference? I don't know. Yes. So anyway, we're going to be, the next week we're going to be collating everything and pulling the winning entry randomly uh, on episode 204. So get Boom. your entry in now. Mm-hmm. All right. And I will be here uh, for that episode, and then I'll fly out on Friday morning. So we're all good. Sweet. All right. Let's talk about some education. We are at, okay, so this is. Um, one of my favorite devices that I, I love to play in 3-4, but I love to play 4-4 four, four ideas in 3-4. It's how my brain always hear not even 4-4, four, four, but just duple. So I, usually it ends up being like 6-4. Okay. So the article is by Ted Warren, and it's called Superimposing 4-4 four, four Ideas Over 3-4. It's in the brand new issue, September. So he takes 3-4 and divides it, you know, two measures of 3-4, but he's playing, I mean, it's a 6-4. It says 4-4, four, four, but it's really 6-4. He's playing a repetitive right. two-beat <clears throat> cycle on the ride cymbal, so it evens out the 3-4, so it goes over the bar line and it repeats every two bars. So it's a quarter note, two-eighth notes, quarter note. That's the first bar. Then it's just a mirror image, two-eighth notes, quarter, two-eighth notes. So the right hand is just playing the jazz swing pattern or if you straighten it out one and a two and a one and a two and a one 
that over and over again, but it's in 3-4. To me, that is the key to open up your phrasing in 3-4 so you're not just playing boom, chick, chick, boom, chick, chick, boom, chick, chick, boom. Yeah, chick, that's a chick. tough thing. When, when you play your first 3-4 jazz tune in school band, it's almost, it's really hard to get out of the waltz. Mm-hmm. And you just think, how could this be anything other than this? Yep. And so, yeah, it can be tough for sure. So let's give you a couple of the exercises. So that's the pattern. So it's quarter, two-eighths, quarter, and then two-eighths, quarter, two-eighths. That repeats. So if we were counting that in three, four, we've got one, two, and three, one, and two, three, and one, two, and three, one, and two, three, and one, two, and three, one, and two, three, and. Right. And now you but make it sound like what three, I was four. Say is, yeah, if I got rid of the counting, ding, 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 right. ding, ding, it's ding. Old familiar. Then it's four. like, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, that can't be the same thing, and it is the same thing. So you make sure everyone listening knows you're playing three or four by applying the left foot hi hat on beats two and three of each measure. You want to demo that? <laughs> I'm, I'm actually, I hate to say it, but I'm I'm signing in right now so I can see the article that you're talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, so. Whew, do this live? Okay. <laughs> this is number three. Ding, ching, ding, ching, ding, ding, ching, ching, ding, ding, ching, ding, ching, ding, ding, ching, ching, ding. One, there you go. two, and three. One, and two, three, and. <laughs> I just need a deep breath. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that looks uh, simple, but it, it I, I it's like. It's not. There's. It's like a well, perspective okay, here's, thing. You got to be able to see both time signatures at once. I think that would be way more simple for somebody that's been playing for one year than it is for somebody that's been playing their whole life because my body knows these things and yeah. knows they do not go together. Yeah, right. I want to go dang, to dang, to dang, to dang, and then under that to go doom, chat, chat, doom, chat, chat. <laughs> the, the two don't talk to each other. <laughs> They're not neighbors. Yep. So that's the ostinato, and then. Then you just start phrasing, you know, just like that. Start phrasing based on the snare drum parts that are in 3-4, or maybe you can play 2 against the 3. So there's all kinds. That's why this stuff, to me, opens up a world of ideas where it... The idea for me is to think 4-bar phrases. So now mm. the 3-4 has been so expanded, so it, I never want to have that chunky don't chick chick don't chick chick don't chick unless I'm playing like an old-school waltz, but... Sure. I think 3-4 is, is one of the most free time signatures once you break it out of that rigid down, up, up, down, yeah. up, up. Agreed. So there's a ton of stuff in this. We won't have to go through them all, but you know, he suggests changing up the left foot part for different, you know, different uh, phrases that are in 3-4 and then changing the left foot entirely so then it mirrors the ride cymbal, which is what I tend to end up doing most often. Is I go full on into the duple feel without losing my sense of the three, if that makes any sense. I think with an article like this, though, or a lesson like this, it's really important for everyone to understand that it's so easy to look at this and do number one until you can do it, then number two until you can do it, then number three, then number four, then number five. And you could probably get through this whole page just doing it in a binary school of thought, yes or no. Did I do it? Yeah. You could do that very quickly. That is not the way to do this. Number three, the ostinato that I just played, that could be maybe two weeks of work for me to just internalize it until I could think about doing the laundry and I can think about what I should be doing tomorrow while doing this. And then I would bring in number four. And when I got to number four and brought in the bass drum and the snare drum, 
I would vamp on that for a very long time, and I would vary the dynamics, and I would vary the orchestration. I would not try to knock this whole thing out in a day. Yeah, no, I mean, if you're doing that, it's, I think it's, a, it's strictly an independence and coordination practice, which is valuable, right. too, which is how I tended to do this stuff early on for, for a long time. I would Every month I get Modern Drummer, and I just, can I master each page and move on, and not even thinking right. about, well, what is the concept that I'm actually trying to so figure that's, out? And that's why we you know, eventually created the From the Page to the Gig course was, how come I'm practicing all this stuff on pages and it never shows up in my gigs and it's like well you haven't fellowshipped with any of it all you did was do you did it but that to me is the beginning once the binary code has been checked to a one and not a zero then it's like cool now the work can begin Mm -hmm. i can't even start to work on this until i can do it and i remember being in the same place as you doing it used to be the win for me like cool i can do it but i same thing i never thought okay the difference between playing uh Ain't No Sunshine by Bill Withers the way that James Gadsden played it or playing the Gadsden groove out mm-hmm. of a page. Very different. Yeah. I was just listening to a bunch of Bill Withers yesterday for whatever reason on the bus. Okay. And really? Yeah. The song Use Me, which we've uh-huh. all heard a million times. Yep. We learn like this pattern with these offbeat hits, but then you listen to the song. It's like he's very strategic about where he actually plays those offbeats. It's not every single time, and it's not even any it's, kind of real pattern. It's like okay, that's a good spot for it here, or I'm going to let these four bars go without it. Yeah, very similar to "Fool in the Rain" or to Rosanna, where you're like this is the groove. It's like that that was one of the grooves in there. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> but it was so when you really listen to it, uh, yeah, it's. It's a it's a beautiful thing. I mean, he is just so underrated as a part writer. I, I love him as a drummer. It's great. But him writing drum parts that make the song something that they wouldn't have been without that drum part, he's he's one of the and, masters yeah, for sure. Yeah, usually incredibly sparse. That was one of the big things I got out of listening to it was he's letting Bill Withers' acoustic guitar do almost all the hi-hat timekeeping on a lot of the stuff yeah. where he's just playing maybe bass drum and rim click and or something yeah. like real subtle and, and interestingly I started out like let me find a live version because I feel like they might go go deeper with a live version it wasn't gelling it was like wow they were maybe he couldn't hear Bill's guitar or Bill couldn't hear James really well it yeah. was tearing apart I'm like okay don't do that. Let's go to the real, let's go to the studio record and, and see where it started. It was really interesting because I've been kind of examining a lot of live records, especially like blues. Like how does a blues band really play versus how do they record it? Mm. Which has been a really interesting study. But in this case, I almost could picture it. Bill Withers all the way at the front of the stage with an acoustic guitar. There's probably no guitar in anyone's monitors except for right. his. So Gadsden's yep. back there just playing, playing solid, but they're not, they're not doing what and they do. And you know that those live versions, most of the time that we can find, were not only live, but they were live made for TV. So you know that the sound's even being more yeah, exactly. isolated. Like, like Bill, you go way over there, and, and James, you're way over there. And monitors? No, we don't do monitors. Yeah, right. It's like, and it's okay, an acoustic I'll guitar. i do my best. <laughs> it's a, it's yeah. a nylon yeah. string guitar a lot of times. Uh, so how happy do you think Ted Warren is that hey, we took yes. his superimposing 4-4 four, four <laughs> ideas over 3-4 all the way to James Gadsden playing a basic groove? Uh, Everyone, check out this article in the current issue of Modern Drummer. That is the one with Near Z on the cover. Is that correct? This is from the newest issue? Yeah, it's just out now. So if you're a subscriber, you probably got your advanced copy. I believe the digital version came out um, a couple days ago. And then it actually is on sale 
next week. So if you're not a subscriber, you're missing out on this conversation. Maybe you should get yourself a subscription. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do we got next? Our cover artist. So my man, my mentor, my hero, my good friend, Nir Z. Um, long time coming. Finally got him on the cover of the magazine. Uh, so before we even talk about anything, I figure we should listen to some of his stuff. Now, what I think is frustrating and also awesome about Nier is he there's not a lot of online content. It, it's there's not a lot. He hasn't he hasn't gone in that world. So when you find something, little gems, it's like that's there's some magic. So we're going to start with um, you know what? Let's start with the Evans UV one demo where he's just playing like a really Tom Ornian solo but really strategic you kind of can hear his his mastery I think in this so let's start there that is him just improvising and I think for me the most important thing to point out with the way Nier Z approaches the drums is there is there's no fluff there's no extra stuff everything that he plays is is deliberate but also free so it's like this weird dichotomy that I love about his playing he's totally free and expressive but also incredibly focused and deliberate with everything he does so the main thing I want to point out with that clip and you'll hear it with all the other clips is the sound that he produces in that clip. I'm going to be pretty confident to say that it's three quarters of the way there before they even touch an EQ or a compressor. That's just the sound that he produces on the drums. And it's it's mind-blowing. You have to see him in person to really get the full effect. He sounds like he's completely mixed as soon as he hits the drums. Pretty insane. I think if you watch a bunch of those Evans videos, because it looks like they're all shot in the same place and produced the same way, those videos don't sound like that. No. No, that's and and I'm talking about, and they have the masters in there, Omar Hakim yep, and Anakinos. Yep. Like, they do not sound like that. That was unreal. Yeah, and it's it's it it makes perfect sense that he was early on one of the drum sample library guys because he can hit totally. the drum so consistent, so accurate. It's like you're going to get the same level of intensity and attack and tone. Even when he's improvising, he doesn't even know what he's going to play next. Like that's the that's the magic for me. It's like when you get insecure about where you're going to play next, your first thing you go is your time and your touch. 
but not with him. It's always on lock, and that's what I love about that clip in particular is him improvising in a way that we don't hear him play. He normally is playing sessions, he's playing songs, he's playing grooves, and that's him improvising, but it still sounds like a session, like a finished track. And you had told me that when you did a session with him in a previous interview that that he had told you that he could hear you thinking, which is it seems yeah. like that's the exact opposite of what you're saying about his playing is you don't hear him thinking. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the trick. So yeah, he dropped that on me pretty heavy. I took a, a <laughs> I took a song to his studio. I was interviewing him, and I was going to get a free lesson out of him. That's kind of how I do all my interviews these days. It's, <laughs> hey, you want to be on the cover of Modern Drummer? Well, I'm going to get a free lesson out of it. So. I was working on a song for an artist who had given me very specific arrangement things, and some of it was things I might have done, some of it was things I wouldn't have necessarily done. But you know, I had to kind of play the the song. So he puts it, you know, puts it in his Pro Tools session. I'm going, I sit on his kit. Everything is exactly the way he had it for his session work. And within one verse in the chorus, he stops it and he comes, you know, through the headphones because I can hear you thinking, Michael. I'm like, I don't know what that means. But I love it, and thank you. How long ago was this? <laughs> oh, this yeah. was probably 2008. And I've literally wow. just kind of sorted it out. Just And, and wow. we talk about it in the story. I mean, it's been, it's been bothering me for 11 years, and I still had to ask him in the, in the cover story. <laughs> like, what did you mean wow. by that? <laughs> and did he remember that time that you came to his studio? He said that that's something that he, he uses that phrase a lot because it's, it's like a, it's an easy, not Very an easy common. way, but it's... it's it's a common problem with session musicians. They are they're overthinking, therefore they're restricting their their emotional you know output. Yeah. So he's got a beautiful beautiful way of of and, and then after that, what he did was he went out in the kit and just demonstrated it to me. He didn't know the song at all, and he just he played the most beautiful. First of all, his sound was insane. His bass drum sounded so much bigger than when I played it. But he also was able to sculpt parts on the first pass. He didn't know the song. He heard me play like a minute and a half of it. And he was just able to sculpt these perfect little hi-hat things that, that wrapped around the vocal and his fills kind of shaped the way the guitar line was going on the first take. It was like, okay, that's what he means. Just trust your instincts, dude. Go for yeah. it. <laughs> you know? Well, and I think that there's a secondary talent that we definitely overlook in a lot of players, which is maybe you have the ability to play anything you want, but do you know what to play and when to play it? And I go through that with the campers here and even myself. I mean, I'm not a session drummer. What do you accent? Do you accent Mm. that vocal or do you let that vocal sing? Do you completely obliterate the bass guitar? Because that's what we were taught when we were kids, whatever the bass plays, just play that on your foot. And it's like, well, okay, then what does the bass player do? Just gets covered up by my bass drum. And so when I hear people that hit a crash where I'm like, that is not where I saw that, but now I can't imagine the song without that crash in that mm-hmm. exact spot. How did you hear that? That part always went straight past me. You know, I mean, that was, to me, I guess what drew me to Phil Collins in the beginning, which relates to Nier, since he eventually played in Genesis. Right. But what I heard in Phil was that he wrote drums like the guy that wrote the song. Yeah. He knew what the drums needed to accentuate to make the song better. Yeah, I'm finding it's, it's more and more about, well, you it's more about having all of your fundamentals so on lockdown that you're not worried about any of that stuff. So anything that comes right. out of your body is going to be correct, quote unquote. It's just how do you yeah. choose which things to do to make the song better? And that's kind yeah. of the, the art that I think he, at the highest level, he and a, and a handful of others at the highest level can do that. Where everything, every time they play the drum, it's perfect. It's just, was it the right 
choice at that moment. And nine times out of ten, it is. Um, Mm -hmm. So he hit me with something kind of related to that. We were in the story, we were talking about that and this whole idea of overthinking parts and when do you let go of what you're instructed to do versus what you know is right. And and in perfect near Z form, because he's one of the most straight to the point, intense people I've ever met. I said, what are you trusting? And he said, my instincts. That was the end of the answer. And then, and I said, follow it up. So you can tell emotionally when something is right or wrong. And his answer with every vein in my body. <laughs> wow. I was like, okay, that, that's the end of that part of the interview. <laughs> when was, I mean, really, for most of us drummers, when was the last time that you knew that what you were playing was correct with every vein, every cell of your body? <laughs> Never, never. You th- yeah, do you think zero percent near ever has any <laughs> imposter syndrome? No, he he probably throws imposter syndrome onto other people. Like you shouldn't be here. Yeah, you should not well, be here. Yeah, right now. I mean that's that's the kind of the beauty. That's why I love him so much. Is he's so intense. Like if you're not ready for it, he will make you want to go back to accounting school or something. Like if you're not prepared for how intense and how honest he's going to be, it makes you question. Right. Like okay, I can hear you thinking. That could have just crushed me, and I would have been like, okay, I'll never be a good session drummer. But I was like, no, i got to figure this out. And a decade later, I'm like, okay, can I play without thinking anymore? What did I have yeah. to do to get to the point where I wasn't thinking anymore? My biggest insecurity was my timing. So I got that to the point where I think it's on instinct. Now I can pay more attention to just making music and expressing. Yeah, Not that level, but I, I didn't give up. I wasn't like, okay, I'll never be good at it. I was like, no, let me let me figure it out. It took a decade yeah. to sort of figure it out. But. That's the key. It's 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 funny how daunting something like that seems to us, but in the long run, it's like, do you really want it to be over? Do you want to stop improving and win the drums? I don't. I'm happy that I yeah. have something to work on today that'll make me better than I was yesterday. I'm I'm excited about that. I'm never, and yeah. then it never really ends. I mean, yeah, if you, if know? you peak and then you're just on the same old stuff, there's nothing worse than that for me to see a band or an artist and they're just playing the same old crap they played a decade ago. I'm like, ah, right. the same solo? Like, you're literally playing the exact same solo that I saw <laughs> you do in 1994? Yeah. Like, come on, uh, man. Come Put on. the octobons away. All right, let's All right well, a, let's check let's, out some more audio. Yeah, so we've got... <laughs> <laughs> this one is... Uh, a, a track that he recorded years ago with the East Village Opera Company. It's very much a like a prog rock kind of trans-Siberian orchestra thing, so you can hear him really do his his progressive chops. So this is from a GMS factory tour video when he was a GMS artist. Let's check out some of that. Has to be sound replaced. No, I mean that's the that bass drum is what I'm talking about. There's that super snappy attack, but all this woofy low end that most of us would like bury the beater and try to get that attack. But he knows how to 
just how to pull out the right sound from the drums. It's amazing. And that, that initial attack, that hi-hat sound, the snare drum, it's like, where's the reverb, man? What do you do? Where are you hiding it in your pocket? <laughs> like, what's right. going on? <laughs> man, I'm getting, it's cool. I'm getting slightly more depressed as this goes on and on. Maybe we should listen to another clip. <laughs> Screw it. Let's just. All right. So the last <laughs> little bit, we'll do one more. So he also did a bunch of demos for Sabian when they re-released their HH series. And I love these because it's, it's obvious, like, all right, put up the hi-hats, give me a minute. And he has no idea what he's going to play and just play something. Here's a crash cymbal, play for a minute. Here's a ride cymbal. Mm. So, again, yeah. you're hearing this, like, fully formed, mix-ready performance that you know he didn't think about for more than a half a second before they started tracking. So this is, let's do the HH Dark Hats demo by Near Z. why he makes hit records every day right there nothing against sabian or their dark hats but hire near to play on everything because i would buy those right now <laughs> I, if, if i can just assume it's not that dude it's those hats that's how they like my god it sounded amazing yeah, yeah. and the bass i mean it's everything about it. the snare drum it's all and he's one of the few guys that i know that can play with an unmuffled snare drum and not have it be like this ringy mess like that just sounds beautiful yeah. to me yeah, I don't, I don't know how he does it. Okay, so I do have a quick question. Yeah, the photos in the cover story. Yes, that I'm seeing of him, or at least the the main one, wide angle lens, little foreground blur. Yep, uh, he's on a black sonar kit. Is that his studio or is that a studio? No, I believe he. I don't know which room that is. That might be Blackbird in Nashville. He, okay, he had a you know photographer go with him for like a day to a couple different sessions. Okay, okay. Yeah, there's no shots of his space. I don't think in this story. No, these are all. Uh, Blackbird or Ocean Way, somewhere, somewhere in Nashville. Sure. Okay. So, but but he does have his own studio where he records for artists. Yep, he does. Yep, and he calls wow. it Z Studios. Got it. Awesome. Uh, well, uh, check out everything you can find about him. Read the article because, like Mike said, you're not going to get any BS whatsoever. He's playing the Sonar Vintage Series drums, a bunch of Sabian artisan symbols, and some HHX stuff. Heads or Evans UV ones. And a uh, EQ4 on the kick, calf tone on the front. Yeah. Uh, yeah, good stuff, man. And, I, yeah, I I am not going to doubt him because he'll probably throat punch me at Nam. but that sounded like <laughs> sound replace drums. It, it, like, it just sounds too good. I don't want to handle it. I don't, <laughs> don't want to deal with it right now. That comes out of his hands and feet. Actually, it comes out of his heart and soul. <laughs> yeah, every vein of his body. You've actually been there. You've seen him play, so I trust you 100%. And uh, very cool stuff. All right. All right, it's time to thank our sponsor, Solid Drums. Um, so they were our reviewed piece of gear. We talked about those two snare drums last week. Uh, I'm trying to open up the link now. So uh, so what did we talk about last time? So Stave Shell Drums. This is you know owned and operated by one, one man. He builds all the drums by hand. He does have some artists that help him with some of the inlay things, I believe. But he makes the drums. And all of the wood is harvested locally, and we were talking about it last time where he actually gives you coordinates for where the tree was originally planted, uh, which is all very cool. And he's kind of just emphasizing the fact that this is his passion. It's one man. I mean, he does his own hardware designs. Everything is his own creation. Uh, He's a good dude. 
Um, you definitely should go to the website. Let's get that address up here. It is solid-drums.ch slash en, en as in English, if you need the English version. Again, that's solid-drums.ch slash en. His whole story is on there. Um, and you can just see and listen to all these beautiful drums. The 12-inch drum, he said, is his most popular item. Uh, but that that 5 by 14 maple is an absolute stunner on uh, the limited gold edition. So, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff up there. He's got his in-stock stuff is there, so you can check out what's available today, or you can custom order things. Um, really high-quality, good stuff. You can tell. This is a guy who's in it for the right reasons. So if you got the money and you're looking for a nice high-end snare drum, highly recommend you support Solid Drums. Again, that's solid-drums.ch slash en. Oh, All right. Very good. So do we have time to do the gear review? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll let you choose. Gear review or, or questions? We'll, so we'll skip the questions this time. Okay. For those of you that don't know, I'm in the middle of a drum camp, so things are running a little tight on the schedule today. All right, so what we're going to check out is, and this will be interesting because the video that we're going to drop in is me jamming on an acoustic kit that's outfitted with the Roland TM1 trigger interface. So I've got a trigger on my bass drum that's being fired by the module, and I also have a Roland pad that's over top where it's basically where my ride cymbal would be, and that's triggering like a hand clap sound that's in the TM1. But then also on the snare drum, I have the Roland RT Mic S, which is a microphone and a trigger. So you're hearing all kinds of hybrid stuff here. You're hearing acoustic bass drum with an 808 sample on top of it. You're in an acoustic snare drum that I've tuned low and dead with a Roland sample that sounds low and dead that only triggers when I hit accents. So you're an acoustic drum, and then the trigger is when I hit the accents. Then you hear hand claps that I'm playing live on a rubber pad. So it's interesting to hear just the audio. You kind of have to see the video to understand what the heck's going on. But uh, let's drop in the audio first. say even as a yamaha dtx artist it seems like roland really cares about drummers and what they're going through right now Mm -hmm. trying to find their way in the hybrid scene because dang uh one the thing that we're going to review is amazing but the trigger that's on your snare the fact that it even has that it even blinks when it fires just you know that because sometimes i've i've i used to trigger in the past when i was touring and sometimes you don't even know is this thing going to front of house yeah that work for not monitoring it yep yeah yeah, so that's the, really cool. The, that device is called the RT Mic S, and it's a clip-on trigger. It looks like an oversized trigger, but it has a little condenser mic in it as well. And it comes with, I believe it was eight. Um, I think it's at least eight samples already in it. So you don't need a module with that thing. You just need a nine volt battery and a cable to connect to your to your sound your board. And it's got, you know, what you would want. It's got hand claps and snaps and the, and the real fat snare and a ringy snare and some electronic kind of white noisy sounds. So even with just just turn it on and using it, I found a lot of cool stuff. But then you can also drop in your own samples. 
So it's kind of like its own little little thing, its own little world to itself. Wow. You could just use that, and you don't need anything else on your kit. And you can have sampled snare sounds on top of your acoustic drum. Pretty cool. So that's the RT uh, mic S, but then the TM1 is a simple two-channel trigger module. So you can have two pads or two triggers hooked up to it and you can drop in your own samples or you can use what they got it's got not it's more like a foot pedal stomp box for a guitar so it's got knobs where you can change the pitch and all that kind of stuff on the fly it's got two foot switches so you can like you can mute them if you if you push them you can set up the mute okay the triggers. So that's what i was going to ask you so let's say you put this thing you've already done all your homework you, you put in your samples got it all dialed in you put it over by your hi-hat pedal on the ground because unless you guys see this it's kind of hard to picture, but picture a, a very small drum module that would be on a normal E kit, and then it looks like a stomp box. It's got the two uh, stomp pedals on it. So I put this over to the side of my hi-hat, and that's what the stomp pedals would be for, is that I can say, okay, for this song, there are no hand claps, but in this next song, I'm going to stomp on this you real can, quick, and now every time yeah. I hit this trigger... Okay. You can set it for that, or you can actually use the, the, the foot switches to trigger the sounds if you wanted to do it that way. But Oh, really? Yeah, okay. I think the most... most apply- or you can have it just be like functions so it can go up to the next kit or down to the next the previous kit but i think the coolest gotcha. option is to be able to mute the triggered sounds for certain parts of the song turn them on with the foot switches and then you've got all this layers of electronics for like big sections or things like that it's pretty wild pretty cool and it's simple i mean it, it just plug and play really yeah i think that that's where the the growth is in this market is in the beginning, it was so overdone. It was like, look, I don't need all this. Can I just have hand claps on the third song of the set? Right, yeah. And now we're starting to... And, and you're lugging around this massive unit to make that happen for one song. And now it's getting smaller, easier to understand, quicker. Because there are quite a few drummers that are ready with their skills to start doing cover gigs and whatnot. But maybe what's holding them back from taking that Craigslist audition is must be able to play with electronics. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh... No, I'm just a drummer. I don't. It's like I'm sorry. That's kind of where we are. You have to do this. So can people? You know, can companies like Roland or Alesis or whoever make this simple for us? And I think the the biggest part is it's the affordability of it. To get you know a full on EK, you're talking thousands of dollars, and to get a multi pad, you're talking upwards of a thousand dollars. But this, the TM one is two fifty, and then you would just need to get. If you if you needed pads, you would just need to get a couple trigger pads, which you can find used for fifty bucks or, or seventy five bucks. Easily. So yeah. for under five hundred bucks, you could easily have two pads or two triggers and this module, which I think is a lot more easier to swallow than a thousand dollars for a multi pad that you only need to hit a pad once every other song. Yeah. Um, so that and the the RT Mic S is a little bit more expensive, I guess, because it's just more more electronics involved that's 350 but again you're getting a microphone that's a condenser it sounds nice and you're getting the trigger the built-in you're getting the trigger and the built-in module in that tiny little device so that again it's kind of a one-stop solution if all you need to do is layer some electronics on your snare drum boom there it is love it yeah that thing and that type of drumming, I'm really happy actually that our listeners get to hear that as audio only because that's the kind of stuff where you think, okay, is this program? It must be programmed. It has to be fake. And the fact that when you get to see it, even though some of the sounds are programmed, you still had to make them happen on your own. You had to hit the thing in time 
Yeah, there was no tracks. Yeah. There was no, it was all just right. live. Yeah, which is love it. The way I wanted to use electronics. I don't want to have to play to a click and then have to have a tracks come in and out. I want to be able to do as right. much as I can in real time as possible. Yeah. So these are some good options for that. So check them out. It's the TM1 Trigger Module, the RT Mic S Mic Trigger, uh, both of which I reviewed in more detail in the September issue. Very cool. All right. Well, normally this is where we would answer your questions, but unfortunately I got to run and get with the campers and then practice my butt off before I head to Alabama and Ireland and Northern Ireland and... uh, yeah, get all that stuff going. Bringing my snare drum with me. Bringing my cowbell with me. Uh-oh. Those oh, are my safety cowbell. blankets now. We didn't even talk yeah? about your cowbell. Is that oh. thing going to come out or what? Don't you worry about it. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> the, it's so funny. We've got a one of our campers this week. is a uh, He was a longtime producer for Access Hollywood, and now he's producing a new show uh, that we can't really talk about yet. But anyways, so he's a Hollywood producer. And... He just won't let the cowbell go. Like every morning he walks in, he's like, dude, is, is that a new cowbell? I'm like, Steve. And he's like, wait, do you have a cowbell? Co-? Like he's dogging me out. Cause I mentioned my cowbell too much. He's like, do you yeah, have a cowbell yeah, coming out? Yeah. Wow, are they going to make it? That's amazing. I'm like, all right, let it go. So now every time somebody hits a cowbell during our sheds at night, we all freak out like, yeah. So uh, we'll talk about it later, but anyways. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna. I got to get going. So let's get to our picks of the week. My pick of the week is uh, somebody we've talked about quite a bit on here, or but in my mind, not enough. And that would be Mr. Ian Chang. I brought him up a long time ago as somebody that was playing with the band Sun Lux, and he had done some stuff that I'd recommended on the podcast with Woodkid. Then all of a sudden, he was kind of all over the place with Sun Music. Is that right? Sun Music House or Sun House Music? What's the electronic trigger? Sun House. Yeah, Sensory Sun Percussion. House. That's what I said. Yep. yep. Sensory Percussion. <laughs> uh, and so my pick this time is getting him off of the electronic stuff and just seeing him on a kit. So if you guys go to YouTube and check out Land Lady, one word, NPR Music Tiny Desk Concert, you will get to see Ian do his organic thing in a really cool way in a set that is just made up of the coolest phrasing ever, the coolest time signatures. I think you guys will really enjoy watching Ian do his thing uh, and be very organic with his drumming. I I think that Ian is just an incredible player that we're going to be looking up to for a very long time. So check out out him playing uh, with Landlady, uh, NPR Music Tiny Desk Concert. Sweet. So my pick of the week is our third part of drum history. I don't know how many times we can I can keep going down this this rabbit hole, but uh, I want to focus on the great Chick Webb, who, uh, if you're familiar with the name, you know that he was one of the archetypes of the big band drumming era. Uh, almost every drummer of that time says that he was the man. He was the one they all wanted to be. Unfortunately, there's just very, very little documentation of his drumming, but there is yeah. one... Uh, record in particular that I think is great because there's a pretty amazing drum solo in it. It's called Harlem Congo. Um, so if you look for on YouTube, Chick Webb, Harlem Congo, you'll find it. We're going to drop in some audio from it. But uh, So a little, just a tiny bit about his background. Born in 1905, he died in 1939. So you can see why there's very yeah. little documentation. He was only 34 years old. He suffered from a disability that it left him... You know, badly deformed. Basically, his spine is is badly deformed. So the fact that this this man who persevered and became the icon of swing drumming, 
It's pretty amazing. He had tuberculosis of the spine, which I didn't even know yeah. was a thing. So amazing. So it must have been a sight to see this guy on stage behind a huge kit and just wailing. So let's drop let's drop in the audio here. This is the solo from the tune Harlem Congo. projecting is unbelievable the energy tied to phrasing yeah 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 there's all that three against four stuff that's just the hallmark of of jazz and really all american music is that that three against two it's amazing and the cue like he just shifts tempo here we go one two three and the band knew when to start i mean come on (laughs) and i i still even though the recordings are obviously what they were I mean, the dude's crashes had to be like a 13 and a 14. It sounds like he's playing on two 20s. (laughs) How is it so explosive? Unreal. Yeah. So that's the great Chick Webb. You can find anything. I mean, there's not much. There's maybe a handful of recordings, but just check it out and try to, again, try to listen through the fidelity of the recording and just imagine being in in a ballroom with that guy. Just smashing. (laughs) I mean, just smashing. So that's my big little suit. The great Chick Webb. All right, buddy. Well, have an amazing week. Guys, keep in mind you can win that snare drum. We would love for you to win that snare drum. I can't wait to see who gets it. It will be at random. Mike and I are not picking favorites, so don't kiss up in your posts. Nope. (laughs) Uh, But just use the hashtag Modern Drummer Podcast. And we will keep track of that stuff. And it's fun just to watch what you guys think is funny or quirky about this podcast. And thanks for listening. We really, really appreciate it. And every time Mike and I run into one of you in person and you tell some stories about the podcast or how it gets you through your day, we don't take it for granted in any way. All right. So we're going to send us out this week with uh, Tyrus Watson's beat. He's playing a Bucks County semi-solid kit with a three-ply walnut snare. He's got some Zildjian, Avidus, K, and Constantinople cymbals, Aston mics, Autic mics, Sennheiser mics, all kinds of good stuff. So let's check it out. This is, the song is called Michelada. So let's check out some of Tyrus's beats. Later, brother. All right, have a good one. <laughs> <laughs>